Welcome all to Guardians of Lore. Hope you are having a good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. This is episode 16, recorded March 23, 2019, and we are still on the Mario and we are on part three. I am hosting tonight. This is Hyven. This is Mrs. Hyven. And I am Elmist. So we welcome all to the episode. Getting right in, we have no... New exciting podcast news, but like always, well, one of these days, I swear we're going to have podcast news. Mostly it's just going to be, we'll have an introduction. We had podcast news last week. Did we though? What was it? Yeah. Kona. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But we hope pretty soon our podcast news will be self-explanatory. It might be some intro and exit music. (laughs) Right. But otherwise... Once again, feedback. I, you know, I was thinking maybe about finding a way to put up a, maybe do like a straw poll or something on our Twitter for topics. Yeah. Uh, especially for these new books, at least, even if we don't do it yeah. all the time. Yeah, we had discussed that. Um, I think straw poll only allows four options. So I was thinking maybe. Twitter had a poll uh, too, though. Yeah, no, no, no. Twitter. Twitter's only allows four, and there are six new books. So maybe if we can dwindle it down to four and then let people pick from there, um, or even three, maybe. Straw poll is actually a website where you can just make your own really, really easy, and it's just a simple, easy link. So we might look into that. Yeah, but Twitter also has them. an option. It's it's really simple to put it up, so we could definitely do that. Um, that way you but, guys could all give your input on the first book we go over <clears throat> in two weeks new- now. It's kind of crazy to think that we're already halfway through the Marasena. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, and of course, feel free to... Send maybe your preferences now. You can send us what you're interested in before. Um, but yeah, we definitely thought that we would be covering one of the new books after the Marasena, even though there's still some books we have not covered. But these new books are really good. And to be honest, I don't know how long I can not talk about these. Um, you can't. You talk about it with us all the time. I know, but I want to share it with our <laughs> listeners. No, no, no. I need to share background tidbit to those of you listening last week when we finished our already ridiculously long episode that came out as three hours but was recorded in like three hours and 30 minutes maybe 45 and that's before we started recording so (laughs) yeah i was exhausted and went to bed only to continue to hear hyven and elemis in the other room Lorgasming on the new books, discussing whether or not they have the same theories on the new books. We've, and I believe they did that for about another 45 minutes. We basically went through all of the new books and just kind of started tying some of the ends yeah. together and trying to see how we could compile no, no. some information. And then the next morning, <clears throat> Hyven told me all about it. <laughs> hey, man, it was a good date. Yeah. 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 So, trust I mean, me, they are itching to get into it for you guys. Um, and I'm excited to read them, though, because I am only getting uh, their takes on it. I have not read it, uh, like I said, to keep my fresh perspective. <laughs> so, I'm excited to get into it, too. I will be honest. As much as they make fun of you guys. Yeah. So, for that feedback, please reach out to us at on Twitter. And that's at guardians underscore lore. And please, please email us at guardians underscore lore at outlook.com. And of course, head, uh, hit us up with a nice review and or rating. Both are appreciated, but one or the other is also appreciated. And you can do that 
Google, Apple. Um, there's like Stitcher. There's like all kinds of podcast things that let you do ratings. But uh, anywhere that you can rate us, give us a rating. We'd like to expand our audience. As far as stuff we have missed in Destiny. Well, it's another week, which means another Invitation of the Nine. Week two. Um, so we're not... I know we went over week one. However, that took us a long time. And also, <laughs> also since I have not, was not able to complete mine, we thought maybe we would just mention that they are happening, but maybe compile a one big episode after the nine weeks are over and discuss that whole story. Uh, so we won't go into it too much, but figure invitation. Um, I had just heard today that some people were wondering where their second invitation was, and that was because they did not finish their first one before reset. Um, I think Bungie said that they were going to extend the Invitation of the Nine reset through to Thursday, so you'll have maybe like a week and a half to finish each one. But just be mindful, you didn't miss out. You were just now going to be a week behind. Um, you will still be able to get each one chronologically, um, but if you want to keep up with everyone, make sure you finish yours each week. That was something that I noticed, and I think um, that would be important for some people for getting you know spoiled by you missing out and having to wait a whole week. Yeah, uh, I was just in a party with two of my clanmates today, and they were asking about that too. Uh, and I didn't have a clear answer because I finished mine last week, so it it was kind of sure. Yeah, I was curious. I, I made sure, and then also the fact that uh, I figured you probably only have Windsor's here to pick up the bounty. So, like I said, I hadn't got mine done right before we started recording. I actually made sure to log in and pick mine up, so just in case. Gotta stay up to date on my lore. Right. Yeah. Uh, as far as, I guess things are a little bit calmer. Um, as far as game releases this week, um, basically the only thing happening next week is we have Iron Banana coming back, guys. Iron Banner is back. Um, so hopefully you have leveled. I am not quite as high as I would like to be in levels. I'm only about... 670 so but the cool thing is there's new boons to raise and lower your level um to either put you on par if you're not a big crucial player and you can get that boon just through doing strikes and like public events and stuff or you can purchase those sweatier boons from shacks that will bring you down about 100 levels and the reason you might be interested in doing that is because there's going to be triumphs and things linked you mean saladin Saladin, yes, not Shaxx. Shaxx and Saladin don't... Yeah, that's not a thing. <laughs> they don't share that aspect of the Crucible. Yeah, they you can get them from Saladin. They don't share Mara, but, you know, that's no, a they story. don't. But Saladin's woman died to see <gasps> those. So. Yeah. Maybe. But, yeah. Not confirmed, but, you know, they seem to have <laughs> <laughs> um, oh. Yeah, and I think there's a new map for Gambit Prime. I think they said either something new was being, or a new something, Reckoning or Gambit Prime, I believe a new map is coming out the same time Iron Banner comes out. I think our third, because we only have two maps for Gambit Prime so far, right? And Legion's Folly. Uh, this week has been yeah. the nicest map that we've already had. Yeah, I think there is one new map, I think they had said. I'm not sure. I'd have to check the... Uh... I don't know. Either way, I had seen something about that. Not 100% sure. So don't quote me on it, but for sure, Iron Banner will be here. So have some fun with it. 
don't know. We're going to quote you on it, and then we're going to send you hate mail because you're the worst. I, mean, I could look it up pretty quick. It's just, just, have, to find the, just have to find the roadmap. Haters but... are the worst. I've got the You know what here. T-Swift says. They're going to hate, hate, hate. I'm sorry. I just quoted her, but I couldn't help it. I'm a little sleepy right now, you guys. That's not good. We just started. I know. <laughs> right. 26, it should be. Tuesday, next reset. It looks like <clears throat> a new map. Okay, I thought it seemed so. Okay, maybe I'm not crazy. New Gambit Prime map and Iron Banner for those who like Crucible and or Gambit. You're right. a little crazy, so, just not about that, babe. Thank you. <laughs> All right, so and our brief intro into the topic at hand. If you've been listening to our episodes, which I'm sure you have, you probably don't need too much introduction into the Maracena. We have done that for the past two episodes. Um, but just remember that Maracena is our story of the Awoken's origin. It is told from Mars' point of view. And if you would like to know what in the world we're talking about and what is going on, please go back to episodes 14 and 15. Because it's weird when you start on 16. It's a little weird. Actually, you probably just earn one. But if you really just like the Maracena, stick it out for 14, 15, 16, and 17. That's our Maracena album um so we ended last week the awoken are in their new world and opposing viewpoints are starting to arise yep and the the odyssey wars are about to begin spoiler jeez well that's not a spoiler that's literally how last week that's literally the last sentence of the last entry (laughs) Thus began the Theodicy War. All right. I haven't finished last week's <laughs> episode yet. We're doing these you're... so close together due to the... All right, you're, you the... recorded it, but okay. And you're killing I me. Did. You're already yawning and falling asleep. This is not good. You better start some notes. Let's get you hyped. God, Why don't you start with guys. our first reading? All right. I want everybody to know today's... This week's notes are legit. Last week was done with a generic pen on a tiny sticky pad. But this week, we have a full-on Amazon Basics notepad because Amazon's basic <laughs> is the way to whoa, do whoa, life. Whoa, 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 Don't. We are not, we're not sponsored by Amazon. We can't. No, we're not. But that's just the way to do life. But if Amazon... I don't need to be sponsored Drive, by something to tell you how much I want to do it. Hey, if we, need, if we can get some sponsors, you know, we use Skype, Google Drive, Discord. And G2 pens. And... Amazon. Particularly their pink breast cancer awareness ones because they're pink on the outside, but they write with black ink. It also prevents your coworkers from stealing <laughs> your pens. And if they do, you know, because that's your freaking pen and give it back. Yeah, it was actually pretty genius. Why I started was... buying them. My boss stopped stealing my pens because he thought they wrote in pink ink. It was great. It's actually kind of smart. It was great. Yeah. Are you kidding? Right. That would be the reason I would steal it. Not when you're at a law firm. I think it's frowned upon. Yeah, not when you're at a law firm and they want to they have to write in black or blue. Yeah. Yeah, fair point. Great. All right. Yeah. So now that uh, I've told you exactly what notebook, or I'm sorry, notepad and pen I am using, let's get into this. Fide aside, too. It wasn't supposed to be like this, Elise Lee whispers, as far below the ship spire. The funeral barges on the lake of leaves burst up into magnesium white fire. The voice of the paladins rise on summer wind. First choral, then the single keen strain 
of grief pan sung by lovers and close friends. They are singing their lost comrades into death. One of the 891 fell today, shot down by a matter laser, a coherent boson weapon. There was almost nothing left to burn. Matter lasers are the kind of appalling Maltech weapon Elise thought she'd lock up in the ship's fire's vault. She had armed a few of her paladins with them, just a few, women she couldn't bear to lose. The thought that one might have defected to the dais room breaks her heart. It wasn't supposed to go this way, Elise repeats. She has not had a confidant in nigh on 50 years. There is no one to whom she can show any doubt. I promise you, it wasn't. I know, Mara says. The Utex found her and plucked her from her mountaintop with one of the ship's spires VTOL aircraft, which Elise had until the war, only ever used as an ambulance. The mission was to carry on the human journey in a new world. Elise paces the wooden deck that clings to the ship's fire airlock nearly a kilometer above the lake to build a better society on the principles of equality, knowledge, and peace. I have the charter, Mara. It remembers what I cannot. We were never meant to give up our bodies or shine like stars or... or she groans in frustration and clutches the railing. Or whatever it is, the dyer's room thinks I denied them. She thinks you denied them even the capability to imagine godhood. Elise looks sharply back at the other woman. Did you start this, Mara? Nothing has one beginning, Mara says. Did she come to you on your mountaintop and ask you what I did? Did you answer her? Is that why she's so convinced I... She swallows against the bitter taste of her enemy's words. Enslaved her in mere humanity? I didn't have to tell her. Mara's white hair stirs in the hot wind. A herd of black horses crosses the northern horizon. All born of ship's fire's wombs. Chased by a long-legged huntress and her collie. You don't keep enough secrets, your majesty. The dais room might have opened any one of your texts and read the story you tell. We were born when a great ship fell into a pearl of shattered space. I awoke first, and in my awakening, I collapsed the potential of the void into a form I understood. Who can read that truth and not hear arrogance? Elise thought Mara might say that. Elise also thought Mara might try to push her off the balcony. But she now knows that was a petty fear. Mara is not the dais room. Mara knows the unthinkable value of even a single awoken life. Why do you love lies so much? She asks Mara. Not lies. The pale radiance of Mara's eyes, the flush of violet strain around them. Secrets. Even if everyone shared a single truth, all our minds would produce different versions of the truth. We speak these subtruths, and like flowers of different seed, the subtruths compete for the light of our attention. 
In time, only the fiercest and most provocative strains remain. They are not always the truest. Better to keep secrets, your majesty. Better to tend a great mystery and so starve the flowers before they can grow. That is how I would be queen. Below the lake of leaves shimmer in the crater carved by ship's fires, mushroom prow. One by one, the funeral boats are going out. I want to end this war, at least Lee tells the second awoken. I want to negotiate peace. I need your mother's help. What would you ask in exchange? Mara smiles graciously and bows her head. Nothing but a future boon. So we see that Elise Lee wants to end all the trouble. And Mara's like, yeah, yeah, I'll help. But you owe me. I love that. That's, that's, that's where I was thinking, too. Right there at the end. Definitely sets you up. Yeah. Um, so I was talking to Hyven earlier before we started recording. And I, I said I really wanted to come into this not looking at it with any kind of gender bias. Because last week I think I made it very clear that because of how I am and used to be, you know, I tend to think more towards that catty, bitchy side of things. Um, and I said, you know, oh, I'm going to really try and come in here and not see her manipulation as anything other than just somebody trying to play like a good game of human chess. But it's really hard for me to do that. Why well, I have some I points mean, to actually show off some of the positive viewpoints, if you were to say. As you know, I'm not necessarily a Mara apologist because I think she does some bad things too. But I like to appreciate some of her moves. So I think this is a good one. I was just, before that though, you want to get an, a quick overview of some of the big things we see? We have Maltech for the first time. Um, so we have confirmation that, remember we talked about it last week, they had bows, <laughs> and now they have matter lasers. Mm -hmm. so, and, uh, it's also been 50 years. Yeah. So they did pretty good. But, you know, unfortunately, someone was still killed. Um, and once again, that shows that Elise Lee is maybe not as good as she hopes to be. She mentions that she armed her paladins with these weapons, the ones that she couldn't bear to lose. So that showed a little bit of favoritism, giving people that she wanted to protect weapons, but not necessarily the masses to protect themselves. So it probably would have been best to keep them all locked away. Because um, even though their edicts are that they only use the U-Tech, we have what, they're, what they call as Maltech being introduced. And I like how she's talking to Mara about this. She still sees that Mara has some, some clout and some influence. She kind of wants Mara's take. Um, I noticed that they have some nice VTOLs. They have some good old ships, which we'll see used later. So their technology is improving. Um, one of the cool things I saw is it mentioned a bunch of horses and a collie. That they said came from Shipspire, so I thought that they were raised basically, you know, they have a colonizing vessel. They were ready to seed a planet. They probably had, um, like, maybe not embryos, but the genetic material in order to, to form a lot of probably the animals that they had in their world. So that's where some of the animals, I would think, probably came from. You had me at puppies. Yeah. Right. Puppies and horses were the animals they had first. <laughs> but yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. Um, cause it, it might not have that 
why, as we'll see throughout these books, it'll talk about a couple other animals, and it seems kind of weird. They're in this like alien world, and they all just have the same animals that Earth does, and that is possibly quite because you know they chose what animals were in this world. Also, I liked Elise Lee's quote here. She said, the mission was to carry on the human journey in a new world. Did you guys notice she still refers to them as humanity, which I thought was interesting because yeah. we had a whole discussion about do the Awoken consider themselves humanity. So that was interesting. I found that interesting because, I mean, <clears throat> the Awoken that we know now somewhat separate themselves from humanity. Yeah. They consider themselves humanity's allies, but they are not part of humanity. And there's a whole philosophical argument that Petra makes about it. Yeah. But like here it there is no distinction, no anything from from Alice Lee's point of view at least. Yeah. Yeah, I like the we'll see we see a transition clearly between um, different leaderships and things, which is to be expected, but I just thought that was interesting. She she goes on to say, you know, that they were just following the charter. In her mind, they are still trying to finish their original mission. They they literally got to the perfect planet like they had planned on doing. Not in the way they thought, but they literally have gotten to a place exactly what they hoped to do. Start a new world, have a better society with equality, knowledge, and peace. She's trying to follow this charter. So I think that Leslie, whether or not you can say she's the reason for this war, whether you side with the Disrum and they should have all been made into gods, I think her her goal being what everyone signed up for, I think she handled it fairly well. Um, you know, that's what the crew was all in agreement that they were going to do. So the fact that she just accomplished their goal, I would argue that that was she made almost like the perfect choice for how to set up that new society. I can agree with that, except for the fact that it seems like she's the only one who's remembering that charter. And it's only because she has the physical charter in hand. Yeah. But it does seem that she has no secrets. She has books about all the stuff that she's done. So I would think it's probably available. But you are right. With circumstances changing this big, there probably should have been basically like a recount for, <laughs> are we going to continue on this path or are we going to do something else? Yeah. So. That's a good viewpoint. And so this was my point. On You were talking about how Mara seems a little manipulative when she kind of does not confirm nor deny the fact that she talked to the Yisram. Because, I mean, she, she makes good points. She was like, she says basically that regardless of whether I talked to her or not, she was going to come to these conclusions herself. And I like how she brings out that it is due to the fact that uh, Elise Lee keeps no secrets. And I liked that she refers to what she's doing not as lying, but keeping secrets. And it's actually, I kind of liked her viewpoint of it. While, you know, we think that secrets can be bad, she helps to appreciate that people are going to draw their own conclusions from the information that you gave them. And sometimes the conclusions that they gain are going to be worse off than just not telling them anything at all. Don't you? We hear quite often in like, society today that they will make no comment. You can plead the fifth. You know, there's a lot of uh, areas where you can just you have the right to remain silent. You know, it's a, it's a common principle that we have today. So I think that you know Mara's thought is just kind of another view. There's two different. There's complete um, transparency, 
or just keeping secrets as to not alert suspicion or cause panic. And and on that note, I mean, like it was said in in the the entry, you know, a single truth would produce different versions of the truth. No matter who you have listening to it, there's going to be dozens of different stories. Yeah, exactly. And I think Mara's point was, if you had have just kept a secret how this world was created, people would have just got to this new world and appreciated this beautiful life that they now had instead of them hearing that they had the opportunity to be gods. If they never knew that, um, well, they wouldn't probably be freaking out as much and causing war and now, unfortunately, death. So I think Mara's got a, a good... I don't think that's completely a horrible th- viewpoint for Mara to have. What do you think, Mrs. Ivan? That in and of itself, I don't think is bad. Yeah. Um, Because I agree, I mean, she put it out there. You know, she put that information out there that was accessible to anyone. So what did she expect? I mean, it's you know, like we said, people will have opinions. Whether you want them to develop one or not, when something gets put out there, you immediately develop an opinion. Whether that opinion is I agree with you, I disagree with you, or I half agree, but this is why I disagree. There's always an opinion based on any information that you're given. Um... Sometimes you don't give it to people just to protect them from you and having to develop that opinion and then bear that burden. Um, this is actually a conversation I was having with a friend recently about what we post on social media. You know, we think we're just sharing something on social media, but the second we post something, we are immediately giving people the opportunity to have an opinion on us about something particular. Um, so kind of interesting how this plays into a real life conversation I was just having. Um, but I think the issues I'm having here are not just with Mara herself, but with Elise as well. I find it interesting that Elise begins this statement by saying, I don't have anyone to confide in, and then confides in the one person she thinks is literally petty enough to push her off a ledge. That's a little weird. Um, and, I, and I think it's because she is the second Awoken. She and that's, is probably exactly. the only other person who understands. I think the only reason she can do that is exactly the same. And, and that's my understanding of it, too. But at the same time, if I thought this person was potentially whispering in the ear of my enemy, I don't know if I can find my doubt. She acknowledges that that was petty. And we'll see as their relationship yes. develops. They never try. Well, I guess it's a spoiler. They don't try to actually kill each other, um, you know. It's it's um, more about philosophy than it is murder. Yeah. Um, but I also find it very interesting that in her way of neither confirming nor denying whether or not she started this, the way she says it, Mara is very... Well, we've already gone into the fact that she is very a roundabout speaker, but she is very political in her speech. Um, she She knows how to... Stay on the fence. She knows she how to. Deej. She knows how to sit on the fence. Yeah, she knows she how to not. Community take a side. manager for Destiny, oh my man. God. So, <laughs> but Deej um, knows I how mean, to jump around a topic without giving us to any answers. Specifically, say nothing oh, yeah. has one beginning. Meaning, I didn't start this, but like maybe I played a part in it. But I'm not going to really admit either one of those sides. Yeah, she um, said I didn't have to tell her. Basically. All the but records her first are there. Thing is, nothing has one beginning, and I think that is just such. I mean, it's literally four words, but I think it's such a twisted up. There's so much in those four words, you know. It's insane to me. Um, and then 
I find it also interesting that Elise is confiding in Mara. And literally when Mara says, you put those in a text, what did you expect? It says she knew Mara was going to bring that up. Like she knew Mara was going to say it. So I also find it interesting that she's talking to her about things that she kind of already knows the answer to. Like she already knows her misstep. She already knows that, that could have particularly been, you know, what could have avoided all of this. Um, and that's why I would argue that Mara is not necessarily being secretive or manipulative. She is just, I think, maybe Elise Lee is being too narrow-minded. Mara is acknowledging the fact that, you know, people started having these whispers and looking for answers. Yeah, they came to me, but this was going to happen regardless. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's better to yeah. just get out with things. You know, it wasn't, she may not have started, she probably wasn't the first one, but as soon as the whispers started, she might have, you know, fueled that fire a little bit. I think it's Mara's inability or unwillingness to give a direct answer that She's definitely a sh- makes from the shadows her, kind of person. Yeah, that makes her seem so manipulative. Yeah, and sure. not necessarily in a bitchy way. Um, I think that's something that I'm able to look at more in this card. Um, like yeah, it's I said, it, it's very mistake. political to me. I mean, it seems very much so like a politician to me, which isn't necessarily a bitchy thing. There are plenty of mostly dudes in politics, but um, but it definitely. Oh, dudes can be bitchy. I think you. It definitely has, I think, almost <laughs> oh, like yeah. a. Yeah. I don't want to say a scummy feel to it, but to not get a direct answer for somebody definitely gives me a, a hesitation towards them. It's not somebody I would be confiding in, like Elise Lee is here. Um, I and then personally think that you benefit more, though, from open-ended answers by answering a question with a question. She's encouraging Elise Lee to possibly... She is letting think- Elise Lee reason on her own stuff here, and I, I will agree with that. Um I and this is not me saying I chose Mara over Elise Lee. I think Elise Lee is a really good queen at this point. Um, I just think that they have two very different viewpoints. It's just kind yeah. of ironic. They were the first two. They are almost opposites in the way that they would govern a people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but and then you're gonna find that in any form of government. I mean, there's always brand new society. one side or the other. And I mean, obviously, some sides have more power than. And the other, um, you know, dictatorship versus the rebellion. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, like you said, and especially in a new society. Now, I did want to... So, there's one other point that I had that was kind of a little bit like, really, Mara? Like, was that necessary? Like, you could have kept that sentence in your head. And that would be how she goes on after she gives her illustration of um, a flower being, you know, secrets and how people form their own opinions. That last sentence of that is how I would be queen. She didn't even say that is how I would be as a queen or that is my thoughts of what a queen should do. She was like, that's how I'd be queen because I'm going to be queen. Like, it just felt very like I see myself there one day. Um, And that felt a little a little overstepping, especially when you think about the fact that Elise Lee is in charge here. it, it felt remember, a little unnecessary. Just remember, though, Mara didn't want to be queen. So just I'm just trying to tie up some stuff for the future here. I, and I understand that. But I that, think you're, 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 you're very It felt uh, like a sentence that, that could have been an internal thought. Um, you know, maybe something that we could have still had as an audience, but Mara didn't need to say it. Um, yeah. It definitely paints her in a little bit of a, like, maybe you shouldn't have said that. Like that your illustration a, was good, but that was a step too far. She's the shadow ruler, man. 
is trying yeah. to pull from the background. Almost. Um, but yeah, yeah, and then like we said, we already talked about the flowers. Um, I really did enjoy that illustration of secrets. Like I said, it made me think of the conversation I had with my friend the other day. And the only other note I really have on this is um, where it discusses that Mara knows the value of every awoken life. Um, as Alma said, that it's it's been 50 years. Um, not really sure how you got that. I'd love to come back to that. Um, um, did I miss something there? In the very beginning. Did I miss? I mean, I read it, so <laughs> but I don't remember reading that. I'll find it for you, but continue your thought. Thanks. Um, oh, there it is. Nope. Confidant and Nye on 50 years. You're right. Okay. I see it. I think the Nye really threw me off when I was reading that I didn't pick up on that. Um, I mean, I know they're still an early society, but they do have a lot of people. And I'm assuming that in this 50 years, they've bred more or unless the war has kind of impeded that. Um, <clears throat> and not to say that sure. life isn't important, but it was a kind of an interesting statement for her to make that Mara knows the value of every awoken life. And I didn't know if there was any more backstory to that that you guys could shed some light on. No, just the fact that uh, none of them went on this mission to be murderers. You know, they were on a mission to create yeah. a new society. I think she just acknowledges that every single person who signed up for that was going to for the benefit. Um, and I think Mara is like the number two really holds this new like birth of a people probably almost as something she would cherish. So there's not like some backstory. That's kind of my two cents on it, though. I just didn't know if there was anything to add to that. Um, but yeah, that's kind of all of my notes. All right. Well, with that said, uh, let's move on. Sounds good. All right. The next card is Fideicide 3. To end a world with a shot or pin, eternity on a blade. To see your sisters lost to rot and their undone works decayed. The death of an immortal wastes the infinite potential of all they might become. An immortal's grief and murder guilt, left untended, will never fade. Thus, it became known to those who fought in the Theodicy War that they had committed an incomparable evil. However, they could not confront their own responsibility so they rose up in wrath against those who had given them cause whether by caging them in flesh bodies or by drawing blood over grievance the war continued by spear and bow by knife and scalpel by old machine and new invention ever did the diocerm's faithful call for the unwearing of queen elise lee now there entered into the diocerm's camp Osana, mother of Mara, famed for her skill in negotiating contested land. She had come with her son, Aldrin, who could win a place in any camp for his beauty and for the regal crow eagle that alighted on his shoulder. I come from Mara, said Osana, whose heart has frozen in her chest. If you will end the killing, she will tell you any secret that you desire. For his part, Aldrin went among the Diocerm's warriors and spread ill tidings of Mara's knowledge, saying, 
Mara remembers how the queen led us here out of chaos and saved us from the twin blindness of darkness and light. Mara knows what the queen keeps secret. Mara has seen the strife in our souls, the clash from which we were made. We could not ever have been gods with this flaw in us. Rather, we were made from this schism. For as all life is born from energy gradient, as life in the world before was born from the gradient between hot proton-rich vent water and cold seawater, we were born of the shadow line at the edge of light and dark. We are tremors in that fault. Forever will that schism lead us. Hearing this new heresy, the ecclesiasts were seized with rapture and scattered to the points of the compass, telling all they met. We are the yield of a mighty engine. We could never have been gods. Like diamonds, we were crushed into being. Like diamonds, we hold flaws. Meanwhile, Osana spoke to the diacerm, who was also heartsick from the killing and who longed to withdraw from the world and seek transcendence within. There is no were-guild for the murder of an immortal, Osana counseled her. You must become a teacher or a midwife, and devote yourself to the enrichment of new lives. But the diacern craved secret knowledge, and she sought Mara upon the mountaintop. Here she vanished. If she was ever known again, it was not by the name Diacern. When there was peace, Queen Lee ruled the Awoken for a time. However, the guilt of the war lay heavy upon her, and after an age of peace and progress, she abdicated to a new queen. All right, so we see that there is some negotiating going on. Um, we learned last week that Mar's mother was a great negotiator and we see osana played it well uh, she went in to talk to the, the dais room but i loved how she brought a pretty face as it mentions aldrin uh Tag team had a like pretty it. face and he's got a eagle crow i mean an eagle hawk is that what it was uh on his shoulder i think it was an eagle crow okay yeah i was right crow eagle yeah which sounds pretty like a he's got a gangster uh Pretty ferocious bird of prey just chilling on his shoulder. So he probably looks pretty intense. And she has him go through the camp just starting to put these whispers in everyone's ears uh, about how Mara could give... So, so Asana promised answers from Mara. And then Aldrin goes and gets all the people convinced that Mara has answers that they should seek. Does that make yeah. sense? So I really like that because she... Um, came in and said, this is, this is what I can bargain with. And then Aldrin ran around making that bargain ship something very valuable. Yeah. And, making it of worth. Yeah, exactly. Making it and, of greater worth than it is. Basically. And we see Mara, it does kind of sound like almost like Mara's playing both sides. As she said, she may have talked to the dais room a little bit, but now she's convincing them that the queen made the right choice. She led us from the chaos. She saved us. We were imperfect. We could have never been gods based on where, how, how we were created. But she basically just gave us life. She gave us the best thing that was possible. And 
went as far as, as it talked about that the followers of the uh, diastrum, they scattered to all points, telling everyone they could that they could not have been gods. So we see it was really, really successful. So much so, of course, also acknowledging that the Asana acknowledged that the diastrum was also tired of the death, the killing. And I like the important part at the very beginning. It helps to appreciate that basically killing an immortal, the emotional toll of killing somebody who was never supposed to die is almost too much for anyone. Uh, so we see that the, both Queen Lee and the Diastrum were both feeling this. The Diastrum wanted to just end everything. She just wanted to be done with it. She basically took this deal. She went to Mara for her answer. Nobody ever saw her again. Uh, so take that for what you would. I personally think the Diastrum kind of wanted to be, wanted to disappear. Um, maybe you think Mara killed her. I don't, I'm, I'm sure somebody maybe thinks that. But uh, she basically disappears at this point. And Queen Lee also feels so guilt-ridden over her part in this war that she abdicates to a new queen. So we're going to see a completely new rulership the war is going to be over, and yeah. So now that Hyden yeah. summed up the whole card. <clears throat> well, yeah, then we can go through the points. <laughs> right? Um, no, I agree with you, though. I really, I think it's important how the card's set up at the beginning to really emphasize and, and bring home this point um, to make sure that you, as the reader, understand what this is, because otherwise the rest of the card just isn't going to set up properly. Because then it goes into Osana. I mean, clearly... We can kind of see where Mara gets it a little bit from the very creative thinking. We're not going to call it manipulation. We're going to call it creative thinking to get the job done. Um, Osana's a little bit more tame than Mara, though, I think. But Osana understands she's going in to offer something, but she needs to make sure that what she's, that bargaining chip she's putting on the table has the highest value on it as possible. So like you said, she brings in this pretty face with a distracting little bird. And as she's doing her meeting, she lets him spread his whispers to up Mara's value, basically, um, and the potential of these secrets that she may have. Yeah. Um, To almost kind of, chime in and maybe have all these other people or whatever say these things um, to Diasrim so they really understand like the importance of it um, and then as it goes in she goes and talks with them and um, basically it's just like yeah like life's gonna suck for you you have led this war of just awfulness I mean she goes so far as to say you now must become a teacher or a midwife and devote yourself to the enrichment of new lives because of the lives you destroyed. Because if you look, the word wergild, it, uh, it means also, also known as a man price, was a value placed on every being and piece of property. So basically she's saying, um, in fact, the, the coins or whatever that it shows have like blood on them. Um, but um, and then hold on, actually, let me go over here. This explanation is good. Uh, it goes back on it. It says, if property was stolen or someone was injured or killed, the guilty person would have to pay a wear guild as restitution to the victim's family or the owner of the property. Uh, so we see she's telling her basically how she pays this restitution back is by enriching new lives. It's the only way. Well, um, even as far as saying that there is no payment. For the more the murder of yeah, a mortal, yeah, basically, but she's that like, this you can, would be this the is best how you can do, do your best. 
um, but you're still so, gonna yeah. fall short. There's, yeah, basically. there's there's no fixing the lives you've ruined. You can yeah, and I think that in and of itself was part of her tactic to really drive home the point that you screwed up. Go get what you can while you can and get right. out. Yeah, well, this is the that's the perfect tactic when both sides want the war to end. The de-escalation. Yeah. She was perfect yeah. for this. Um, <clears throat> but she knew exactly. I mean, and it says that she, um, this is what she's known for. This is why yeah, Elise is, Lee was I ready to make this, um, you favor know. she had. No, it yeah, was more. exactly. She knew the value of this favor was going to be worth it um, because she knew Osana would basically get the job done, um, which is, I mean, she had, she had some good words there. It was... It's convincing to me as a reader. <laughs> yeah, Osana is um, an awesome character. She's kind of yeah. one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, She's, and just then, yeah it is, She's a sharp woman, man. It is interesting. I, I also appreciate that it it shows that uh, Elise stepped down once there was peace. Um, it doesn't say immediately after the war. It says the guilt of the war lay heavy upon her and after an age of peace and progress, um, which I think as a leader was another smart move on her part. She didn't just say, okay, the war is over. I'm going to go. This is too much for me. She made things, she made her things settled down. She wanted to make sure that she wasn't leaving her people in like this time of crisis and uncertainty um, after a war, you know, when things were being rebuilt. Um, yeah, so I think, I, I think that was another, it was a sacrifice on her part. You yeah, know? I, think it's a, I think she was a good queen. She says, you know, I'm going to lead you through this war that I may have played, you know, that I played a part in. I'm not going to leave you guys hanging. But now that everything is stable again, I need to take responsibility for what I started. And I never want this to start again. So I'm going to step down. I have fixed as best I could my mistake. But it's time to pass the reins on to someone else. So I think she acknowledged that she could never fix what she had done. The same as the Aesirum, same as this whole card helps us to appreciate. Um, and she did what she could, and then stepped down. But she's not done yet, guys. We're still going to get to hear about everyone as we move on into the future. Uh, do you guys have any other points? No. Okay. Um, no. So I was going to just bring out briefly. I think it's important for. Um, future points, and I think it's interesting considering it's a conversation we have a lot lately, um, that they were born at that edge of light and dark. Um, I know we've discussed that, um, kind of tinkering and teetering between the two before. Um, so I do think it's an interesting point that an entire, you know, race basically was, was born in that point. What's that of light and dark? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's how they were formed. That's how we kind of talked about in the earlier books. But that also might, as you said, that kind of explains the little conflict going on inside them all. <laughs> yeah, so I just I just thought it was an interesting little tidbit to be thrown in that card. I think by now we know the Destiny writers don't just write something to write something. They kind of all have little, little uh, meanings and points. Oh, yeah. All right. I think I'm ready. If you guys are. Mostly Mrs. Hyven, because you got to make first comment. Yes, I am good to go. All right, so let's move on to heresiology. And it appears that some time has passed. A woman lives alone on the forest hills above the Feather Barrens, 
North of her, in a chaos of ravines and clear but fiercely radioactive streams, the hills surrender to high imperial mountains engaged in brutal seismic warfare. For the distributary is a young world and has not settled in grudges. To the south are the dry lands where the birds of the forest, especially the parrots, go to die. She lives here because one day she will no longer be immortal, and she wants to observe the dignity of death. Up these hills comes a man and his mother. The man moves with practiced wariness, but his mother is tired of walking. So she sits down on a giant melon and bellows, Mara! A fountain of startled birds shoot up into the dawnlight. Not far away, the woman looks up from the broken body of a juvenile gray parrot and says softly, Mom? That night, over the fire, after Mara and Osana talk about the oddness of long separation, Mara, tending the pheasants on her, their spits, says, Brother, your eagle killed a parrot today. He had to hunt, Aldrin says carefully. You won't forbid him his last pleasures, will you? You've brought him here to die? Mara wants to leap up and hug her brother, out of pity and respect. Many of his raptors have died before this one. But Aldrin has always been grief-stricken and furious at the waste. Now he's accepted what must happen. He has given his bird the respect of choosing its own place and time to pass. I have, Aldrin says, looking away. Her pride and respect make him a little verklempt. Mother decided she would come along. A sheer force as powerful as tectonics has divided Mara's heart. She wants to sit down with her mother and ask her everything. But she is afraid of Osana's insight. What brings you to my little camp, mother? Lies, Osana says. Lies and secrets. And the girl who didn't want to be my daughter doesn't know the difference between them. I know the difference between a girl and a daughter, Mara says, purposefully misunderstanding. The drip pan sizzles beneath golden meat. Her stomach growls. Your daughter picks up your baton at the end of the race and goes on living the life you've taught her. You wouldn't want that, mother, because then I'd be all your fault. That's true, Osana sighs, but you know what I meant. Aldrin looks between the two of them, frowning. Mom, what's this? It's your sister about to admit she's behind it all, aren't you, Mara? She unimpales the pheasants from the spits and neatly licks hot grease off her hands. If she spoke, she might scream and tear. What does that mean, behind it all? Does Osana know? The ecclesiasts are her creation, her mother tells her brother. Diodicerum was her pawn. She allowed the Theodicy War because she was afraid we'd be too comfortable here. Also, as Queen Elise would never need her help politically, Mara couldn't afford to be the most radical dissident. She had to seem moderate for her beliefs to thrive. Isn't that right, Mara? Mara puts a hand into the warm soil to keep herself from slumping in relief. Mother doesn't know at all. Shall I carve your portions? She asks, holding the fractal knife blade down. Aldrin has that look. He knows Mara never answers his questions directly. By evading Osana's, 
It's as if she's saying that the question is really Aldrin's to ask. Looks delicious, but Mother does make me curious. Why have you always lived away from the rest of us, Mara? The mountaintop? I understood. You had a brand new sky to chart. But why now? Why go into the woods like a... a hermit? A heretic? For the same reason she lived on the hall. The same reason she can never allow Aldrin to really reach her. There is power in remove and safety from the belittling politics of temporal power, which reveal the mighty as unforgivable, ordinary, and petty. The awoken have a queen because a queen can be a mystery. I remember the day I was born, she says. Do you, brother? He flinches from her eyes. He remembers Yang Liwei and the tether into darkness. He remembers how gravity stretched them into agonized ribbons of flesh. He remembers the truth not even Elise Lee may be allowed to know. Mara sees the agonizing moment. The cyclic revelation, when he thinks of her crime, allows it to pierce him like a spit and buries it deep again. Osana takes her portion of pheasant meat and rolls it in the bowl of sweet cooked nuts her daughter has prepared. The stars are coming out over the mountains, and the forest birds sing. This place is good, she says. This world. Whatever you remember of our lives before, Mara, I know they cannot have been this good. No, Mara says. But you were both with me. I hope you always will be. Always, brother promises. Eat well. Mara claps her hands and stands. Tomorrow we journey. Where? Her mother asks. I have star charts to share and heresies to tend to and a new eagle crow to find for her bereft brother. I was right. I was right all along. She lives away from people as a manipulation tool. Okay, well, hold up, though. She lived on... This is different than originally. No, no. It is, but it isn't. Yes, but you thought she lived so... <laughs> her brother... This acknowledged... isn't. She even brother... said, for yes. the same reason she lived on the hall. Yes, yes, yes. Where she lives now, her brother acknowledges that it wasn't crazy when she lived on a mountaintop. It's crazy now that she lives, like, in valleys away from everyone. Okay, but, okay, yes. But, but even you, still, you were all acknowledging... three of the living spaces are right, and you made me feel crazy in the car earlier. You made me seem like it was normal for her to be on a mountaintop, and made me seem crazy for comparing her to the Grinch living on a mountaintop. <laughs> I was no, right. I didn't think it was. No, it was not crazy for her to live on the original mountaintop. I just no. You were right. The reasoning all it. along has been for the reasons I feel she's been doing it, and I am not crazy. Oh, the reason she lives on this place, but I would still <laughs> acknowledge. No, because she even says the reason she lives here is the same reason she lived on the hall. The hall, but not the original mountaintop. The mountaintops <laughs> were stars, but it was another. No, it was all the same. It's all yes. the same. We see that <laughs> because mystery perfectly... and secrets are power to her. Yeah. Okay. Can we right. calm down? I was helping you to appreciate <laughs> with the knowledge we had. I didn't want you to get too ahead of yourself. <laughs> that, that but I was right. Yes. But actually, Anywho, let's actually dissect let me go to my this <laughs> because yeah, I'm like, I think let me go to you my are. Notes. 
you are getting yourself so fired up that I think you are missing <laughs> no, some of the points. There's actually some really good points on this card. Obviously, a lot of stuff just explodes. And there's a lot of stuff card. I think you don't actually understand. <sighs> Who are you to tell me what I understand? Why don't you listen to my notes? I am. And then we'll get into this. No, I just think, well, just remember, let's not focus <laughs> on all of the... Uh, the little you were right points, but let's. No, let's you'd be surprised. These. There are actually not a ton of those in here. I just really needed to get that out first and foremost. Mrs. Hyven's um, going to explain that she was right. The Mara is an evil witch. Let's calm no, down no, first. No, 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 no. I don't think she's an evil witch. I think she is very, <laughs> very. Let's let's go through it. We haven't actually talked about the card. Can we? Again, she's playing human chess. She is very, very decisive, um, political. Maybe a little manipulative is still the correct word, but she's very smart. I will give her that. She understands her people, and she understands how to make herself a use to her people. Well, let's go through the card and actually see. Yes. Let's go through so, what's happening. Sure. I'm going to go let's ahead go and start with the beginning. So, first yes. of all, when we discuss where she lives, not just for the reasons of it, but additionally, it says here, and granted, Again, it's written by Mara, so she could be potentially embellishing it just a tish. Um, <clears throat> but she understands, and I think she understands from her memory of life before and with her assumption of the fact that she will one day enter that life again, um, potentially still as an Awoken, obviously, but basically coming back into the system she was from. Uh, she understands that there's potential that one day she will not be immortal um, because she knows at one point she wasn't. And she observes the dignity of death. Um, and I find this very profound about but her. I also think you are almost missing some of the crazy implication here. Remember that they are immortal and they have agreed to live here forever and yes, never... yes, yes, yes. but we understand from more of this card that that is not her well just the fact that she is already preparing to not be immortal that is foreshadowing that she has a larger plan to leave this world at some point so oh, if yeah. that is in a kind of a little bit of a bombshell just thrown in right here in the beginning yeah yes i mean yes no 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 i agree i think for me that wasn't a huge bombshell just because we already know she eventually does because she's with us in... Well, I like to know. read stories and kind of throw away my... Yes, no, and I, and I understand. But you're right. That is a really important, important foreshadowing. But like I said, I think it's just something very... Um, well, also, we, you've seen her here, but you, don't know, you didn't know how she, got, how she gets back. So for all you... You could have known that it was an accident. Now we know that she has intentions. I think... Yeah. I kind of always assumed from some of the cards we read last week, because I think some of what was said last week um, led me to believe that was potentially Mara whispering certain things. That may have just been an assumption on my part. Um, I don't know what you're talking about. When the divisiveness started and some people felt like um, they needed to prep for that event potential eventuality. What eventuality? Sorry, I don't and think I remember what you're talking about. Even in the Nine Commandments, they discuss... Um, the Nine, those commandments said that they would never leave. No, but they also... Elmas, you know what I'm talking about? It, it was right before that. Mara was like, yeah. 
this is just a pit stop. We don't need. Oh, to oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, her so viewpoint was that she some kind of statement that makes yeah, me yeah, yeah. think that that was kind of always her plan. Although I do believe it says she made it in secret, um, basically whispering it to others. Um, but anyways, let's, let's go through then. I like I said, the observing the dignity of death. I I just I don't know. I kind of guess found that. I appreciate that Mara is looking for. She's not taking for granted her immortality. She is. Yes. She, Mara has an importance for life. Yes. So, so you might think of her as such a beautiful characteristic not, of her. I think maybe I focused too much people. on the bad, and so I think that was such a a beautiful insight to her, this, yeah, and that's I why this, I kind of latched onto that. Yeah, I think this shows that Mara, what whatever she's doing, she has an importance for life and a dignity of death. So, and from what Elise said, you know, Mara. Holds the life of every single one of these awoken deer. So keep that in mind. No matter what you view of Mara, she does. She's not a crazy murderer. She doesn't just want yeah. people to die. She she's not just trying to kill people. Something that you yeah. are looking in, uh, looking at for a leader. You know, <clears throat> it, it shows me that in the future, decisions she make will not um, will be weighed basically with that thought in mind yep. for her people. Just a little uh, thing is uh, just <laughs> before you really get into the card. I just like the little note to uh. Aldrin is already has these crow eagle hybrids, which is so fitting because later he becomes the uh, leader of the crows. And he's got these mechanical crow robots and also the agents are called crows. So he's got a little bit of a fascination for crows already. See, now my whole thing with that is that Aldrin becomes the master of crows simply because he had a fascination with them. Like this is just explaining the fascination. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um, then on a sillier note, just a little bit, I, I giggled really hard when, first of all, she sits on a giant melon. Um, that's just like, like a, a tired a mom melon. who just wants yeah, to and sit then scream, wherever she can And then the, that image of those birds flying out, like from the scream, you can totally Why picture that. Yeah, you can totally picture that. Another step. <laughs> it's hysterical. Um, and then again the love she has from her brother even though she kind of keeps that disconnect with him and we've seen that from card one when she realizes his bird is dying and she gives him that hug and i think also because she she was really proud of him for understanding that she wanted to give him a hug but she didn't okay yeah um i think i think part of it was because she she was very she was very proud of him for also understanding um that his bird uh, deserved that dignity of death. So I thought that was kind of cool. Again, just another insight into her. And then real quick, verklempt, that word that was weird. Uh, just because I like to explain any word because I think it obviously just helps us understand the meaning of what we're reading. It literally just means overcome with emotion. So Mara was overcome with emotion. And I think that's important because verklempt, sorry, Aldrin, uh, you don't get that with Verklempt. Uh, yeah. You really do need that definition of the word. But yes, so that is what that means. Um, and then this witty banter with her and her mother. Like, they can know we each other. talk about that? Her daughter, who doesn't understand the secrets between, or the difference between secrets and lies. And she's yeah. like, I understand mother? the difference between being your daughter and uh, what else does she say? Uh, and a, being a girl, and a, girl and a daughter, yeah, and it says she purposely misunderstands, and no, oh, I that makes me giggle. 
I, just, I like, would do that kind up. of shit to my mom. <laughs> no, like straight up, her mom. What brings you here, mother? Lies. Lies and secrets. And the girl right. who doesn't know the difference. And right. she's just like, oh, what are you talking about? Yeah, it's hysterical. And then, like, this whole card, you're just like, okay, okay, this is nice, this is nice. And then you're just like, what? Yeah, and then, and then the I love how, like, Aldrin has no idea what's going on. What, what's, like, what's happening? And then and her I, I really up, love reading these. She's behind it all. No, I really love reading these cards because, um, obviously, you know, the Aldrin that I'm familiar with is the Aldrin in the Cade story. And I don't get the, like, I... I have such like a lovable, um, like goofy brother vibe now with Aldrin. It's very different from the Aldrin I know. Well, so I'm he very much so for his sister. This. He was just yeah. fanatical and brainwashed when he thought he was doing things to bring his exactly. sister. Exactly. But it's just kind of funny because I just he reminds me of like my brother and that like, oh bless your heart kind of way. Like you're just a couple, you know, rocks short there. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. He seems very intelligent. He's just very loyal to a fault. Uh, maybe. Maybe that's what's blinding him. Sometimes I just feel like he's just not fully grasping everything. I mean, he infiltrated the camp and spread lies to every... Well, not lies, but spread rumors in order... Like, he's he's not an unintelligent person. He leads basically the special ops group for the Awoken later on, like... He's not okay, so maybe I just don't know enough. <clears throat> he might just but be a little. Right now, he's a little simple, maybe. How about that? Okay, simple. There we go. That's perfect. Yes, um, and just good at taking uh, direction from his very intelligent sister and mother. I guess is how I see him. I like that now. Mara has. It was. I like how this paints Mara in a way that we can relate. When somebody's about to call your bluff, like she is tense. She is trying to change the subject. She is trying to focus on the food in hand. You can imagine someone, like, twiddling their food. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Ed talks about as she speaks, she might scream in terror. She's like, oh, my God. Mom knows. Uh, guys, you guys want to eat? Here's some food. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, how her mom basically points out she had to seem moderate for her beliefs to thrive. Meaning Mara basically needed to create somebody who was so out there compared to what the norm was that her seemed to be a happy middle compromise. And, and also it helps us appreciate that the reason <clears throat> it's uh, so basically she's accusing her of creating the ecclesiast in the diastrum. And I like it said, she allowed this war to happen because basically she didn't want them to be too comfortable in the distributary. Once again, she is trying to poke, these people into thinking that they need to return at some point, which is kind of we're seeing is her goal, but two-sided, she could have just sprouted that, but she also saw that becoming too radical, nobody would have listened to her, so she needed to act like she had nothing to do with it. So she needed the people to feel uncomfortable, but she wanted people to come to her later. So once again... We're saying she's playing the long game, because like we said, when they had their meeting about the commandments... Back at the beginning, she had this thought in mind. Once again, so, she, she knows what she's long doing. Game here. So you don't really you don't know her purpose. She just thinks for the betterment <clears throat> of her people that they will need to return at some point. And she is being very successful in trying to do that. So yes, I see this is definitely manipulative, but if she has the right goal in mind, I would say it's well. But at this point, we really don't know. I would say 
would the Awoken be better off staying there or going? There's like yeah. they don't know. She's and we manipulative. Don't know. She's strategical. She's like we said. She's playing the long game. She's thinking five steps ahead. Strategic. The only thing right now is what is backing this drive, and I think that's where what will make me fall on one side or the other with Mara, and that's kind of what I'm interested in. And then that's we go on to find out Ma doesn't know all. Yeah, that's what, what I was going to say. So, what is your, what was your reaction to being called out as being like the 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 like I said, like the shadow government behind this whole like coup? She's basically uh, like then, that secret organization that the government doesn't acknowledge. Yeah, yeah. So, like, what is what I thought? What was your right. response to her being relieved that that was what her mom knew? I think the amount of relief she had gives me pause. Because if you did all this craziness, basically started a war, and then you have that much... I mean, she seemed very relieved. Uh, A definite shift from how she was before, um, and she was kind of trying to avoid to hear. So I think that ginormous shift of relief kind of makes me think, how much worse is what your mom doesn't know? And I was just going to say, remember what her mom said was, "Is your, it's your sister about to admit she's behind it all. Mara's freak out is, what does she mean behind it all? Does she know? And when she says, she is relieved. So remember, she was worried by the phrase, she's behind it all. So that exactly. brings into question, what is the all what else is she behind? that her mom doesn't yeah. know about? Exactly. And that's what I'm saying. The amount of relief she had... Makes it seem like the rest could be pretty grand on on the scale of things. And I I like this kind of like like innocence her brother has, and like her mom. So basically, we have like Osana and Mara kind of being these two like powerhouses, but they both acknowledge that Aldrin is kind of like a a weaker, more gentle minded one, because you know Mara basically just. Doesn't answer her question, but she looks to Aldrin to, do you have the same question kind of thing? And he then goes on to want to know a little bit more about what's happening. Well, you know, yes, he, he basically then... questions her like, you know, Mara, that doesn't sound crazy. Why have you, why are you away from as a hermit? Why are you hiding from people? All this stuff. And then you notice he has a realization that he does not say out loud. And that is going to be quite important. That paragraph exactly exactly so basically he asks the question then in her mind mara basically goes into the for the same reason she lived on the hall um you know because the awoken have a queen that's, because that's the queen actually could for, be... that's his mind oh is it yeah well it says aldrin is looking no, at it her says for the he same asked... reason she can never allow aldrin to reach her this is her thought where you... he, his goes on later because then she asks him the question. Her response is none of this paragraph. Her response is then the sentence, I remember the day I was born. Do you, brother? And then that's when he goes into his unspoken thought oh, okay, of yeah, paragraph. Yeah. I'm looking at something. Um, I'm looking at the other yeah. one. So it's very interesting. You get, a, you get a look at her, but then it's also very interesting. She has, you know, these three sentences of thought, and it goes <laughs> into one sentence of question, which then spurs again more sentence of thought on him that makes you really start to wonder because that one phrase where it says uh his revelation when he thinks of her crime 
And I, I mean, especially because it talks about he, uh, they were talking about the tethers and everything. And if we remember, as she was tethered, as she was going, they were connected. They were talking. Um, so, before you move on too far, though, I would just wanted to acknowledge. So she emphasizes that the same reason she lived in the hall on the mountain, she understands that there is more power in mm-hmm. being removed from these things. So that might show that even as a human. She talked about how she was ignorant. She wanted to be away from the people. But she acknowledges that the reason she lived on the hall was because she was more mysterious that way. So even then, you know, we started out, she sounded so innocent, like she didn't know what she was doing. But even from the beginning, she she kind of knew that, right? And then, yeah, yeah so your, your point there, do you notice what she asks? I remember the day I was born, she says. Do you, brother? So as you said, he has asked her some questions. She doesn't answer plainly, but as I said before, Mara answers questions with a question. She was trying to give him the answer, which he gets, actually. You don't might not know what the answer is. We're going to get that later. But he <clears throat> thinks back to that event you were just saying. When he went out on a tether to catch her, and she releases her tether to get into the void. She wants to be the first one in. He realizes, he thinks on that day, just as she had asked him to. And then he realized something and then buries it. So I would argue that she wanted him to know that truth. Oh, yeah. Uh, but he was smart enough not to see say that it out she, loud. We see from her conversation with Elise Lee, she says things to make people think. Um, and especially in a way to give indirect answers. She gives them answers through themselves. It's uh, just another tool in her tool belt. Part of me is like, wow. This bitch is crazy. And then part of me is like, damn, can I be this bitch? Like, uh, she, I mean, she's impressive. There, calling, all, calling her a bitch all the time. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, that's true. To everybody out there, bitch is a very enduring term in our household. Not really. Oh, that's just because we have two female dogs. And yes. they are actually my little bitches. Yeah. But that's yeah. beside the point. Uh, it yeah. was always endearing in my household. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My mother and my sister would both look at me and say, thank you. <laughs> but, exactly. Uh, but yeah, no, like, I mean, to me, like, I don't know. I think for me, I use bitch in the sense of sassy, hard-ass female kind of sense. Not necessarily, like, petty with the claws, bitch. Yep. I just wanted to acknowledge that you were, using, that you were using that a lot. I think there's better words to describe. I just don't want to offend anyone who views that as a very negative term as you said yeah, i don't use it negatively females. i should yeah um, like i think i i'm of the of the take you know take the word back thought um turn it into something better but you're right no i mean it's just i mean she she is like and that and that's to me i mean i i don't know yeah like i to me i'm like dang she is manipulative but she is strategic but she is you know, this roundabout thing. And then, like like I said, part of her seems like a little, like, mm, maybe that's a little scummy. But then part of me is also, like, I want to be this, like, uh, to do this? She's got to be one smart lady. Like, and I'm like, dang, I want I want that level of intelligence and thought. And I, that's that's all I kind of wanted was you to, to use that. Because I think there are better words to describe somebody. Yeah, no, so and, I, and I agree. That's all. 
Not that yeah, you can no, I, use that, but I just don't want to offend anyone. I want you're right. I should clarify. Um, but yeah, no, to me, I, like, I think. You don't have to. Like, you're over explaining yeah. yourself now. Let's yeah. just. But no, I mean, for real, like, I don't know. For me, I just, I, I don't know. I, I'm getting to this point where I'm really on a, on a weird line with her. What do you mean? Like, I'm just kind of like, do I hate what, and I think, like I said, it'll come down to why is she doing it? Because I can't decide if I hate or respect well, what she's doing. I don't know if you're ever going to quite get an answer to that. Mara's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, story's not quite over. But I'm like, is she? But I would just. At the end of the day, this card. it seems like what she does, she does for her people. And if that is the most seems simple like. and decisive answer I'll get from this, I think it will be very easy for me to respect her. And so. I would so then yeah. yeah I think that's that's perfectly said, and then so the last thing to acknowledge at the very end here is just that her mother knows what Mara wants because she asks Mara, "This world, whatever you remember of our lives, Mara, I know they cannot have been this good." Basically talking about she said about their life before, so she understands that Mara is trying to leave this world, and she's asking Mara. What was that world like that you remember? Why do we Why want, to, do go want back? to go back? Yeah. And Mara doesn't really give an answer. She acknowledges that no, but she kind of then gives like this warm-hearted answer. I just remember you guys are with me, and I hope we can always be together. Which I think is genuine because you see yeah. a bit. There is a real love that's going to continue to develop for her mother, very much so, and and her brother. Uh, but. Once again, we still don't really get her motivations from this. Her mom doesn't even know her motivations, but she's a smart lady and knows what's going on. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead. So that is the we've hit the midway point here, everybody. <laughs> three elements? cards down. Do you, do three cards go. Oh, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm oh, good. Man. At this point, I I think I'm just gonna like keep hold of the the watch and you know just. This is the un- Come on, gotta keep I guess going. This is the unfortunate, uh, yeah, right. This is the unfortunate aspect of a husband-wife duo. Not contemplating this topic. We don't really argue, no, but good. we love to like see each other's viewpoints. Debates. Yeah. yeah. All of our Often. conversations are always very open, and we're not the kind of couple who is just like whatever you want. We like yeah. to really talk to each other. I think we really enjoy like getting the other person's <laughs> right. viewpoint and like. Understanding why and it potentially even I just want to get Elmer's viewpoint also though. So yeah, yeah. Sorry, no. it's all good. I well, really he gets love first the way comment on the next card, so we should let him talk <laughs> as long as he wants. Yeah, so let me go ahead and read. That. I want to know Elmer's thoughts. I know my own thoughts. Is this <laughs> imponent or impotent? Impotent. Impotent. Impotent one. That's what we're reading, everyone. We're not even going to pause and cut that for bloopers. We're just going to go right into it. All right. In the later days, the power of the queen waned, and the distributary was ruled by scholars who sent their knights on mad quests to test the consistence of reality. There were the Jensen scribes who traced their origin to Kedla Waj, the all-teacher, but who were, in fact, descendants of a band of roving storytellers who traveled across the immense salt glades in a hollering convoy of airboats. Here was their praise of the world. Excuse me. It is a sweet water, 
and there are no poisons upon it. The temper of the climate is even. Great broad pod cats stalk the shallow glades, and brilliant blue flamingos promenade upon the flats. The air is thick and warm, suited for flight, and the wind, ta- the wind tastes of forest. No dawn has ever been as glorious as the salt glade dawn, and no dusk has ever moved women to weep as deeply as sunset in the crusades. Corsairs sport upon the open seas, and where the waylay freighters rather than each other, they give rumor and assistance to their prey in proportion to the quality of the chase. Beloved are the stories of young lads and lasses who leap across to the Corsair ship for a life of adventure. Beloved also are the terraced farms of the Andaleas, mountains so mighty and so dense with radioactives that they subside year by year into the crust. Most beloved are the fissioneers who vaulted us to power on a world without petrochemicals. May they forgive the many stories of horror we have told in their memory. May they in particular forgive the lurid stories of the molten lead reactor and the twelve who were impaled to the ceiling by their control rods and the core that stopped. It is the sanguine truth that we were granted this world by the unconditional mercy of the powers and that we will never again know fear. However, the scribes also recorded their frustration with Mara and Aldrin, who alone out of the 891 were said to have seen creation from outside. These two wandered the land gathering lore of portents and prophecies, and all the ecclesiasts who remained from ancient days whispered that soon the day of reckoning would be known. The day when the awoken would be called to repay their debt. Now in the court of one of these scribes, there appeared a woman of stellar height and furious wrath, armed with a bow that could be strung only if she twined it around her body and used her whole mass to bend it. I am sure I know, said the woman, and I accuse Mara of the ancient murder of my lady the dice room. In my saddle, I have a weapon with only one death remaining. Take me to Mara and I will deliver it. The scribes consulted and said to each other that this foul murder might prevent another theodicy war. So they gave Sher Ido all the knowledge to hunt Mara. So, I've got two <clears throat> points I want to make here. First one, the Jensum Scribes. We know one of them. Do tell. Uh, he's a cranky old man on Io. And oh, Ash, wait. Not and that El- Elemis does a pretty good impression of. <laughs> wait. Of course I do a good impression of Asher. I yes, it is! I Asher. Yes, um, it was like from Eva Levante's gifts. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Yes, the odd uh, one-eyed war- odd one-armed warlock. He is a Jensen scribe. <laughs> yeah, he's one-armed, not one-eyed. One-armed. Are there any one-eyed characters in Destiny? No. 
but there is one who has three eyes. It's true. Interesting. You know, I just feel and like one-eyed is, is kind of like a good. That's Eris. She's good friends and, with the one-armed she's guy. She's good friend, friends of Asher. <laughs> Wait, is Asher the one who had to take Eris the gift or check in on Eris? Yes. You see how yeah. odd of a fellow he is. Got it. All right, moving on. Seems like the scribes are very like analytical in their <laughs> understanding and thinking. Yes. <laughs> so you. Um, a little bit. <laughs> right. So that was point number one. Second point, I love that it's like this is the introduction for sure that we get. Oh, dude, that line. Oh, that's because knowing, knowing where she she fits in later on, it's just it's so amazing. Can I just talk about the fact that when we were talking about Dias from earlier, Hyven was like, and we never see from her, see or hear from her again. You know, and I mean, some people maybe Mara killed her, and he's like, I mean, but you know, like some people might think that, like, like trying not to give like spoilers to the future card. And then I read that, and I was like, damn it, Hyven, I should have seen this do. coming. Some people do think you did to open their interpretation at this point. But yeah, but that was least... hard for her. She was like, I have a weapon with one death remaining. Like, I have a bow with one arrow. I have a gun yeah. with one one bullet. Take me like, tomorrow and I will deliver it. Like, yeah. that last death. Like, that's she Also, is a... well, sorry. Also, oh, back to Donning Gifts. Wait a second. No, I back to Elemis totally... first. No, Elemis first. All good. It's all good. She, totally she will talk forgot. nonstop. No, once. <laughs> God Dang it, just shut it. Is it related to the card? I would already be done with this thought. Is it related to the it card? It is related to the Mara Senna and the bows and everything. I forgot that the gift that Shax was trying to give Mara was a bow and that the bows are what the Awoken are known for. Uh-huh. And I made that connection when I was re-listening to the episode. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Wasn't that crazy? And I just I, didn't want a tangent. Like, You're a tangent. Your whole face. I'd rather be a hypotenuse, but I mean... This is why Elmas is the best. We're so crazy, and he's just like, it's chill. It's cool. <laughs> um, but no, like, I'm reading this, and knowing that it's sure and, and everything, I'm like, oh, oh, is is that the weapon? Is is the weapon up with what I'm thinking of? Oh, yeah, for sure. For oh, sure. sure known for a specific <laughs> weapon? Yeah, we get one from her. Not, well, not from her, but... In a round it, of we, we're given from a statue of her. her. We're given her weapon and some words from her. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Did you notice that she just, she is a, a powerful woman. So she's tall and strong and that she oh, is one of the few people who can string this bow and that for her to do it, it takes all of her mass. So she is a pretty right. gangster warrior at this point. Yeah. I just like think of like a normal bow and arrow. I mean, it takes a good bit of strength to pull back a normal bow and arrow. That's like not your normal one at like a little camping retreat vacation that you really go on, but like a legit bow and arrow that you're using to go hunting with. Those suckers yep. are strung tight. So, um, yeah, no, I mean, I can only imagine. And for this one okay. to, you know, uh, armed with a bow that could be strung only if she twined it around her body and used her whole mass to bend it. Right. It made me literally it think about um, like when you see those crazy like acts on like America's Got Talent where they like flip backwards and are like bending it with their like feet and stuff. <laughs> like I don't know why, but I have this crazy mental picture of her doing some like insane things with this bow. Well, and it's a pretty awesome bow too. 
I mean, it's not really a spoiler to say that sh- that it's the wish ender that we get later. Not really. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. I'm just thinking of it, and I'm like, I guess it's not really a spoiler. It's not like we get it later. Most people who've played the game would already know. <laughs> but yeah, so um, you guys, do you have points, Mrs. Hyven? Because I have just a kind of an overview of actually what's going on in this card. No, I literally really didn't fully... I mean, like, I... I... All right, so, well then, so... Yeah, no, like, the, it, just the... for me, there was so much, like... I so then we have three into it yeah. that I wasn't pulling enough from it to have legit notes until that very end there. Yeah. So the days of the queen are basically gone at this point. Now we have a group of scholars. So it's kind of like we've moved from this monarchy to, a uh, um, Oh, I can't think of the word. Basically the, you know, a government run, run by, by like a small a group of nobles. There's the small group, basically, who kind of runs. So these refer to as the Jinsum scribes. Well, the scholars rule, and they send knights on mad quests. These knights refer to as the Jinsum scribes. Now, then we are given their uh, overview on basically what they have recognized of the world. They talk about how the world is beautiful. Um, Corsairs are referring to, that is a group of people um, in the Awoken, basically military at this point. Uh, but it's kind of like a, kind of imagine like a, a pirate of sorts. So that word, you, when you were looking at they they sport upon the open seas, and it says where they waylay, or basically hit freighters rather than each other. Um, so they're kind of like pirates, and it talks about how people are excited to, to, where is it? There's stories of young lads and lasses who want to leap across to the Corsair ship or life adventure. So you have beautiful world a bunch of youth who are adapting to this world and enjoying it um and then i really like how they basically gave a shout out to the engineers who developed vision through uh, and the use of being able to power their world without petrochemicals so no fuels like gasoline and that kind of stuff they did it through vision through um through uh, through cells and you know splitting these cells and stuff which is pretty cool and then I love and they continued on to to forgive the horror stories basically we want to acknowledge them for their good work and please forgive us for throwing out all the stories of all of your failures and all the people who were killed in the development of that research that's kind of what I got out of that <laughs> yeah like you know and the twelve who were impaled to the ceiling yeah. by their control rods. Right? Yeah, exactly. What did they say? The horror of molten lead reactors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a horrible okay. idea. But yeah, so yeah. they acknowledge that their world has progressed, and then they say that the sanguine truth. Remember, and that was the the sanguine were the ones who believed the edict that they should stay in the distributary forever. Uh, they granted that the world by their unconditional mercy of their powers that they would never again know fear. So we have one side again acknowledging that they should stay here. However, the scribes now record that they are frustrated with Mara and Aldrin. Where that those little secrets have now spread to the masses. Now everyone knows that Mara and Aldrin witnessed this creation. They were basically kind of on that outside of that ship, seeing what was going down. And the ecclesiasts, who those rumors were spread, still are telling everyone that no matter how great this world is, our debt is about to be repaid. Um. And 
Insure one just strolls up into the court of these scribes and is like, where's Mara? I have one death and it's going to her. And they're like, uh, you're scary. We don't want to mess with you. Here you go. Yeah, they're like, you're scary. And you know what? Mara is kind of possibly leading this kind of like cult of ecclesiasts who want to run away. We kind of just, yeah, if you could just kill two birds with one stone, you leaving because you're scary and maybe take care of her too while you're at it. Go for it. That'd be great. That's right. kind of my understanding of the whole card. I think that's a swell place to end on that card. A swell okay. place. No, no other things to add? I used to say the word swell all the time. I'm bringing it back. So the next card is Impotent 2. Carefully, the people of the distributary grew in number. Joyously and constantly. They grew in quality. Those who do not die are as malleable and passionate as the young, as tempered and constant as the mature, and as wise and humble as the best of the old. But as ever, the Awoken were troubled by death. It was easy to imagine a world older and harsher than the distributary, where the slow changing and lushly alive would be helpless beside austere mayfly quick breeders who adapted with every swift generation why had the awoken been spared mortality were they as the sanguine preached rewarded for their bravery and fidelity in a past existence or were the ecclesiasts right could all the gifts of the distributary all the milk bright stars above all the years of awoken life be a form of cowardice? Was there an unfought battle down in the center of the awoken soul? A duty yet to be discharged? Queen Nuya Pin restored the monarchy to prominence over the Jensum scribes. This she accomplished after a fateful visit upon the day of the summer solstice by a hooded and masked woman who some whispered was Marasov and others the long-vanished diaserm. For nine and ninety years, a rhetorical figure um, meaning a long time, the queen had been an authority only in the arts and matters spiritual. However, Queen Nuya Pin declared she was now an avowed ecclesiast and that the queen would lead the quest to identify whatever debt the Awoken owed the cosmos. It was time to pursue a dream beloved to all Awoken, the conquest of space and the assessment of the true shape and age of their universe. The ancient court of the Queen gave the Jensum scribes a place to lay down their pride and act as equals. Soon, the greatest engineers in the world assembled in the Queen's court and whatever wealth or resources they required flowed freely. Great cataracts of men and women spilled around the palace, screaming of ramjets and apoapsies deep into the night, then awakening to pots of thick black coffee to mumble about metric tensors and cosmic microwave anisotropies. Into this feast of ideas came sure Ido searching for the woman who had turned Queen Pin to 
Ecclesiasm, sure, smoldered with an ancient fury. For another thing that the immortal may nurture is everlasting vendetta. Sure, Ido, deduced who among the queen's court must be a disguised Marasov. She followed the hooded figure to her laboratory and watched Mara go to work soldering a makeshift bolometer to search for signs of primordial gravity waves. Sure, Ido's fury and grief wedded themselves against Mara's thoughtless grace and ancient beauty until at last her heart unseamed itself and spilled its hot blood in a shout. Mara Sov, she cried, throwing down her Maltec matter laser between them. I cannot live while you live, but I cannot bear to kill you. I challenge you to a duel to the agony. I will fight your most beloved companion to the death and leave you forever maimed or else die in the attempt. Mara could not refuse this challenge. She summoned Aldrin, and with a ruthlessness she was no longer frightened to wield. She told Aldrin that he would stand for her in battle to the death against Shur Ido. We cannot put it all upon a single fight, Aldrin said to the ancient vendetta bearer. Too much would be left to chance. Such an old grudge deserves to be tested well. I propose we fight with blade, with rifle, and with fifth-generation air superiority fighters. Sure, Ido accepted these terms. Very nice. So, you have a call-out to how the distributaries' numbers have grown and with quality. I like how it helps us to appreciate that someone who is immortal has the benefits of being malleable and passionate when you're a youth, um, being tempered as a mature one, but also having the humble um, nature and the wisdom of an elderly one. Which, you know, normally those things don't go together. You either have youth or wisdom, but when you've lived forever, you have the opportunity to have all those things. So we're helped to appreciate that the quality of life has basically improved but I thought it was an interesting point, but it says, but as ever, the Woken were troubled by death. So in the yeah, immortal I have that people in my notes, actually. are so troubled by death. And at this point, it seems that everyone now knows that they came from another world. They talk about it's, they imagine an older world where there was overpopulation and breeding was not so successful for them. And basically, they're now in this struggle as it goes in between these two lines of thoughts that sanguine who said that they've been rewarded for what's happened in the past and no more is needed, or the ecclesiasts who say that everything that they have is a gift that they're taking for granted and that they need to pay up their debt. So we have these two uh, viewpoints continuing on, even though the fighting stopped. And then we have a new queen, Nuya Pin, who has now reinstated the queenship. Uh, over the Jinsum scribes. Uh, however, they're kind of still there. Sounds like they have now all kind of tied in together into the new uh, Queen's Court. It's probably a familiar sounding word. Mara still uses the term of the, the Queen's Court. You know, we still go there. So they've now established, like a, I think of it as like a new form of government. Like you said, it's almost like the Queen and the Parliament. 
Yeah, and then we have this crazy Where? stuff goes down with Mara. And Where did she here. come from? I mean, do we know about her past at all? Or nope, she's just another queen. Okay. We don't really know how much time has passed. It even says, for 9 or 90 years, a rhetorical figure, meaning a long time. Thanks, Bungie. Yeah. You've basically told us that a long time has passed. So my thinking is there's there was the original queen, and then she abdicated the throne. And then I think that queen's rulership kind of waned. At, and then you have the Gentum scribes, and then this queen. So I'm thinking we're on at least probably our third queen, but who knows how many have gone in between. So I think it's just basically just stressing that a lot of time has passed and somebody new came up in the ranks. Okay, and so originally she was kind of more of a figure and not a doer, and then all of a sudden she became an ecclesiast and was like, we gotta do! And yet, it wasn't until a fateful night... When somebody, people say either Mara or the Disroom, comes back and somehow convinced her. We don't really know. Just there was a visit. Next thing you know, this woman was very sure of what was going to happen. She reestablished the queenship and she convinced everyone that the Ecclesiasts were now going to be the, uh, the main, basically, teaching. Which I thought was interesting because now we flopped. Basically, the Sanguine, the sanguine were kind of in power. And now it's gone to the ecclesiast ruling the they're they're now the head and now sorry the sanguine are more of the like radical like faction. So this this these viewpoints, this war of of um, philosophies is still going. Once again, the conflict between the awoken. We know that uh, there was a conflict that formed them. It seems they always seem to have this internal conflict too, which I think is a cool kind of like. So I mean, at this point. I mean, th- this, as you called it, war of philosophies, it's gone on for anywhere from 59 years to 140 years. I would even argue even longer than that. Yeah, I mean, if we're talking like those numbers and kind of, I don't, I've, I've heard a lot of different discussions on how long, you know, the Woken have been around. Yeah, but I would say it's probably, we're tired of talking like hundreds of years at this point, at least, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, and you can see like their development has has greatly, you know, progressed and everything. I mean, to the point where basically, you know, they've clearly set up quite the society. Basically, when they're ready to get going, it says um, that they're just basically poured in with every kind of wealth or resource that they have. Um, so it shows that they have wealth and resource yeah. established um, yeah, and ready to go. Time. And then also the fact that they're talking about brand new generations having the highest quality of having wisdom and humility of old age. Mm -hmm. So they would have had to... generations have clearly aged uh, quite a bit to get that. Yeah, I would think that a fair good bit of time has probably passed. I guess... I don't know if that's just Bungie kind of being a little lazy and not wanting to give us timeline. Maybe not lazy, but when you leave a timeline open... When you leave a timeline open... Yeah, you can fill in stuff a lot easier, yeah. and you don't have to do retcons to try to make things canonically like match and stuff. So I think yeah. it's just I think it gives saying, them a little oh, more wiggle room for more. In case they um, ever expand on this, you can have yeah. a whole game just about being like an awoken in the dis- tributary fighting in a theology war. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's plenty of story just in this little bit that they haven't elaborated on. Yeah. 
Yeah, I like also just like, I don't know, the the visual picture you get of uh, when it talks about, you know, men and women are all basically running around talking about all of these different um, things. It says deep into the night. And it says, then they awaken to pots of uh, thick black coffee to then yeah. mumble on more about other sciencey things. Still and I just think coffee. it's funny because you can really, yeah, first of all, they still have coffee. And second of all, you can really um, kind of like picture that that scene almost. Um, it's funny, I recently watched, uh, actually when I was on the plane getting Kona, I watched the movie Hidden Figures. And they have this, like, giant room where all of the scientists are trying to, like, figure out all the mathematical equations for the astronauts. And I kind of picture that when I'm thinking about them here. Yeah, it's like mission control. Only, and yeah. it's also, like, the seat, the center of government. Like, this is, this is like, the, the town hall. This is, like, the everything, you know? I just imagine a lot of people running around doing jobs. You know, this is the courthouse, kind of like where, for, like, when, you know, you work. So I just kind of imagine, like, a bunch of... Whoever you can relate it to, this is like the hubbub of life. The center, the town center is thriving. Now, now like Mrs. Hyven talked about the 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 uh, gents and scribes, you know, going deep into the night about their their sciences and waking up, drinking a ton of coffee, and getting back to it. That's why Asher's like that. <laughs> like every time I go home. Like, my brother is a physics major. So I see this in real life. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. You can't... You can't right, isn't he going through some, like, crazy crash course, like, semester, basically, that, like, it's, filters out, like, two-thirds of them? Oh, no, no, no. It, 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 it's something... It's a schedule that the physics department at his school calls the Death March because it's all the hardest classes. But they're only, but they're only offered like once a year, so he has to take them at that point. Or yeah, you take there. forever if you did them once every year. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but man. Yeah. Well, that's kind of what I envision. Yeah. Same. <laughs> they don't seem to mind that. I also like that Mara is also one of the scientists here. She's actually running in the Queen's Court. We see she's come down off her mountain. We see later on that she is kind of feeling a lot more comfortable with her power. You know, she's not asking Aldrin to do things. She's commanding him now. So once again, this is showing the development to getting to more of that queen that we know Mara as. She's definitely still kind of that shadow figure. She's wearing a disguise, you know, but she is starting to be a lot more comfortable with her power. She's not quite in the open yet, but she's maybe getting there. And uh, Ms. Hyven, do you have any other points? We still have... Obviously, about what's going on with Cher. Yes. But. First of all, I think you touched on it earlier. You know, basically with them being immortal, they have the opportunity for an internal vendetta, which I thought was uh, an interesting sentence, all an the interesting time thought. Up. Yes, um, which then we see later played more into the words where it goes in to, um, basically it says Ido. Um, it says her heart unseamed itself and spilled out its hot blood in a shout. Uh, so you can really see this vendetta that has built up inside of her. Uh, it's very good wordplay there. Um, and then she challenges her to a duel, but not her directly. She does not want to kill Mara. She wants to either be killed in the process of this duel or kill someone that Mara loves 
to make Mara feel the same pain that she feels from losing Diasmer. Yeah, so my my take is that she couldn't just kill her in cold blood, but instead she had to challenge her, you know? And because I think, once again, the whole killing of an immortal, she's clearly okay with it to a degree because she plans on fighting Aldrin to the death. But I think an an agreed-upon duel is better than shooting someone in the back, she acknowledges. And um, I don't know if anyone's familiar with The Princess Bride, but this was totally, took me to there. A battle. To the death? No. To the pain. And that's exactly what this is right here. This is a battle to the pain. Yeah. yeah. Duel to the agony, which I, I think is fitting. Uh, real quick. So the line, sure, Ido's fury and grief wedded themselves against Mara's thoughtless grace and ancient beauty. I just Googled that uh, wedded because it's W-H-E-T-T-E-D. And the actual definition is that it's sharpened the blade of for a thing that stimulates appetite or desire. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, so then strengthened then. Mm. <laughs> so, Sure's, or Sure Ido's fury and grief sharpen themselves against Mara's thoughtless grace. So, basically, she's trying, she's looking at this graceful, beautiful woman like, I gotta do and this. She's just getting more do heated. Yeah. Pumping herself up. And she's beautiful and graceful. Yep. And once again, Aldrin just just ready to do this, man. That's pretty smart too though. So yeah, he, he's just like, Yeah, sis, I'll fight to the death for you. But then he's like, well, we're not gonna do this just one fight. I am an experienced fighter. I know that there's chance involved. Let's do this. You know, best your best two out of three. And uh, let's also, you know, um, do it with some variety. So they have basically hand-to-hand combat with blades, a little bit more advanced with rifles, and then he straight jumps fifth-generation air support, air superiority fighters, basically by airship. Right. So there's, and it, it's definitely we'll see this play out, but it definitely is interesting. It's like fight to the death, but one fight to the death isn't enough. So we're gonna have three fights to the death. Well, what if somebody dies after the first fight? Like how? How do you have three fights to the death? How is there a two out of three win there? Yeah, I'm intrigued to see uh, the rule book on these. We see how it plays out, right? But I don't quite know what their thinking was. Do they, like, stop before they kill each other and be like, all right, you won that one. And then... Whoever says uncle first loses. And then at the very end, all right, you almost killed me twice. You win. All right, now kill me. Mm. Shake on it. All right. I, I just... I love the progression there. Yeah, yeah that was. <laughs> we, we'll fight with blade, with rifle, and with fifth generation air superiority fighters. What? Dude, no. right? And that portion of the fight gets crazy. <laughs> Just like, wow, your technology is insane. <laughs> All right, we ready to move on to our last card? You got any more notes there, Mrs. Ivan? Uh. No, last note was dual underlined, so we covered dual. that. Yeah, it was well covered. <laughs> that whole thing just thinks me of Princess Bride. Looking for the man with the six, the six-fingered man. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Come on, and it's good stuff. Love that movie. Oh yeah, the other day I was thinking about. You killed my um, father. Prepare to die. 
you never, what was it? You never get in a battle of the wits with a Sicilian when death is on the when line. When death is on the line? <laughs> and then he just drag, yeah, drops dead. Oh, God, I love that movie. All right. Sorry. <laughs> Tangents aside, Impenent 3. All right. <clears throat> now it came to pass that Asilla, daughter of Scylla, recognized the scent of Shira Ido, where smell lies deepest in memory. Asilla spoke to Queen Nuya Pin about the presence of an ancient hero in her court. While Queen Pin pondered how to honor this visitor, and simmered over the insult of Shur's unannounced presence, a spy brought word of Shur Ido's intentions to the Jensum scribes. The many scribes were troubled by this news, for they had given Shur Ido license to hunt and kill Marasov. If Shur Ido murdered a guest of the queen under the scribes' Remit, it would mean war and the end of the great awoken push for space. Historians were called to the court with bouquets of sweet flowers and grant money to speak of Sher Ido. She was one of Queen Elise Lee's paladins, but she was an ecclesiast who believed that we would one day be called to repay the gift of our awakening. Would she defy the queen's protection and murder a guest of the court? The scribes asked. Oh, absolutely, the historian said, laughing. She was a terror. The scribes began preparations to flee the queen's court, as they foresaw sure Ido's victory would be blamed on them. Sensing uncertainty, many vital contractors and suppliers withdrew from the space program. The queen denounced the Jensum scribes as faithless and selfish, and her ecclesiast followers bristled in rage against the sanguine majority who had scuttled their dream of flight. Household turned against household, sister against brother, wife against wife. The whole world clenched her fists. Meanwhile, Shir Ido and Aldrin met each other on a newt of woven lianas over a pool of heavy water. The light of the queen's reactors shimmered beneath them as they took their places. Aldrin wore a white chest piece of ceramic arbor, armor over a suit of black tasseled silk, and he wielded a long practical knife whose cutting edge was nearly three times as long as the blade. Shirido fought in the contoured blue-gray pressure armor of a paladin with the star of eight edicts blazoned on her chest. Before they begin, Shirido tore away the sheer curtain over the gardener's nook and looked in on Marasov. Are you afraid? She whispers, half in hatred half in admiration, all in all. Do you sweat? Does your breath come short? Mara pressed her hand to Shur's faceplate and left no stain. She held Shur's gauntlet to her heart so Shur could feel her steady pulse and even breath. You don't care about him? Shur pressed her. It would mean nothing if I maimed him? You ask the right questions, Mara said, but of the wrong sibling. Then Shur understood that she fought a man who would always express his love through loss and ordeal. She bowed to Aldrin and drew her knife. Aldrin bowed in mocking reply. They fought across the web of Lianus in a slow spiral, creeping like spiders, waiting for the motion of the web beneath them to signal an instant of vulnerability. Then the pounce, the clash, the blur of knives. Shir Ito's straightforward prison yard jabs against Aldrin's whirling deceptive theater. 
All of knife fighting is in the seizure and surrender of space. Neither would surrender to the close, the clinch, the berserk adrenaline-sick exchange of thrust that would leave both dead. Aldrin began to cut away key Lianes to throw Sure Ito's footing, and Sure Ito countered by charging him to keep him off balance. At last, they fell together into the coolant pond. The fight was a draw, but it was only the first of three. Um, so everything just like explodes. Like, I just love how in the last card it's like, race for space! And then it's like, never mind, never, never mind. We're all withdrawing. Everything's a mess because of this one duel. Right. Like, but everything the implications. It, once you realize, like, who she was, what's going on in the background, like, you realize that the scribes basically were I, I kind of, like, basic politicians. We got to cover our asses. Pretty much. <laughs> They're like, oh, crap, I didn't think this would come to back to bite us. Uh, uh, we're out. We're out. Wasn't us. Yeah. So that's great. And then it just, like, trickles down into all of society. <laughs> so... Yep. This queen and her so, parliament are doing swell. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would say that the um, the scribes are not exactly her parliament. I think they're like almost like a they're an internal unit. Like you said, they're the kind of they are kind of pushing for for space, but like they realize that they are still accountable to the queen, and yeah, they're trying to get out of Dodge. Yeah. So then, after all that goes down. We get into the duel. I like while all of that's going down, it literally just transitions with, meanwhile. (laughs) Well, and so to understand, before we get into the duel, what's really going on in here is the queen hears that somebody smells (laughs) Shirito. She's told that this figure is in her court, and she realizes she needs to honor this visitor, knowing who she is, but also is insulted that she would come in unannounced, basically as a spy. Um, and when the scribes hear this, they're like, uh, oh, crap. If people found out that one of the queen's guests was murdered because the scribes said it was okay, yeah, there would be fighting. Our purse for space would be ruined. We have to, we can't let this happen. And yeah, basically they were like, have some historians come in, bring flowers, money. <laughs> And then so we figure out who she is. She was actually one of uh, Elise Lee's paladins. And paladins in a woken society are kind of like the top, imagine them as like the top generals, you know, working like right under the queen. Um, there's not many other, in modern day awoken society, you have the queen, and then you maybe, maybe the queen's wrath, would you say, Elemist, maybe comes next? Yeah. But I think that's almost a special position kind of on its own. But then you got the paladins, and then you go down to the corsairs. There's always only ever a handful of paladins, so they're pretty prominent figures. And um, but ironically, she served Queen Elise Lee, but she was an atheist, which is the kind of the opposite of everyone else was. Um, yeah, and then I just love everyone's like, hold up, would she really? She wouldn't do that. She wouldn't kill somebody as a guest. And they're like, oh no, she absolutely would. She was a terror back in the day as a paladin. Like, she, when she was fighting in the Theodicy War, like, you don't want to be on her bad side. 
And I love how the scribes were just like, all right, we got to get out of here. And yeah, as you said, just everything. Basically, they ran out. And then the queen at this point denounces them. And um, and then, of course, the ecclesiast get mad at the sanguine for being the majority. And basically, once again, which doesn't quite make sense because it doesn't. This, this wasn't up to this point. I would say this wasn't an ecclesiast sanguine battle. This was the Jensen scribes just. I guess the Jensen scribes would. I'm not sure. But either way, I just love how it comes back to that original fight. The very beginning, these two battle yeah. philosophies, you just, a little inkling of it, and they're ready to just fight. Well, and, like, that's, that's gonna, like, the Theodicy War set the entire tone for the rest of the Marasena. Like, it's just, yeah, we're yeah. seeing the aftermath of that, no matter what. And it really all comes down to, once again, Martin, the number one and the number two having opposing viewpoints on what their society should be like. So, yeah, we know that Diasterum was basically a ploy by Mara, but in the end, you literally have these two people who had opposing philosophies, and now all this aftermath. Yeah. Uh, Mrs. Ivan, you got anything to add? No. Like I said, I had all my notes kind of taken care of, and I think you guys explained the rest of that. Um my next note was the fact that one of the first things they do is describe what both of them are wearing to the duel. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Gotta be stylish. <laughs> yes. Um, and then the fact that Mara is just so oh, freaking man. Mara to be like, oh, you want to know if my palms are sweaty? You want to know if my breath is short or if my heart is racing? No, I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to show you. Let me put my hand all over your face. See how there's no mark? Yeah, no sweat. Then come here. Let me take your hand and put it on my chest. And and you you show. You see that I'm chill. Yeah, you're totally right, man. She's <laughs> just like, check this out. And then I love that. You asked the right question, but of the wrong sibling. Basically, yeah, um, no, it's not me who's worried for my brother. It's my brother who's always worried for me. Right? God. My brother wants to protect my life, and I'm kind of indifferent to things. That's pretty, I kind of, a. that does make Mara seem kind of uh, a jerk. But, man, does that make somebody, like, a really intense leader. Right? Jeez. It just, just Mara's great, guys. And then can we acknowledge the fighting style between the two of them? <laughs> right? She's like prison yard style, and he's like, "Let me do my theater and the and the what I've what I've planned out for my Shakespeare part." And yeah. yes, that's. I think right. of it. He's in like an artistic kind of fighter, and she's just like, <laughs> "I'm just doing whatever." Like she's the like, "I'm gonna like, kick I you in the nuts first. Yeah, I'm going to kick you in the nuts and then stab you while you're down. like. <laughs> right. And Aldrin's like, takes off his glove to smack you in the face with it kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Great. So, yeah, and we end with Aldrin basically getting the balance. But it ended in a draw. Because they both fell into the coolant pond together. So it sounds like that might actually have explained though these this whole thing is a fight to the death. 
But the first ones, they must have set out rules. So I'm assuming this was one where obviously if you get stabbed, you die, but the goal was maybe not to kill your opponent, it was to push them out of the arena, maybe into this coolant pond. And it sounds like, because it's, you know, Aldrin, it doesn't say Aldrin tries to stab her a lot. It says he starts cutting away uh, what we know now are like vines, basically, to throw off her footing. Uh, So I think it sounds like he was maybe trying to force her out of the ring. Maybe that kind of explains how you can have three different fights to the death. But yeah, of course, it ends in a draw because <laughs> they it's got to come down to the last fight, you know? Yeah. Right. <clears throat> All right. And that concludes our recording for this evening. Goodbye. No, I'm just kidding. Um, that again to, concludes our reading. <laughs> I'm posting and I'm out. And yeah, so... We will continue on the story to hear about the next two um, duels next week. So tune in to see how this stuff ends. Uh, trust me, things are going to get crazy. We're going to see some returning yeah. old characters. We are going to see some conversations that enlighten. There might be some, some arguing, some, some anger, a lot of deception. Like It's about to get crazy. Yeah, next week's is, is the final <clears throat> bit for the Marasena, isn't it? It's yeah. about to get straight up telenovela in here. We are going to close up wow. Maris in a, a lot. You know, of, so much is going to happen in the last episode. That might be really long. And I get to host it. <laughs> so it's going to be even longer. <laughs> <laughs> I did a horrible job at hosting. I'm, we're still going long. Yeah. All right, then. Suck. Well, it's hard to keep you. you know, get off my screen. Slow. It's hard to keep your like sentences shorter, you know. <laughs> and then once you start talking, I have to start talking. Talking. I can't speak words. Words so, are yeah. hard. Shoutouts. I have no shoutouts this week. I have just been broken. I have been sick. Um. Yeah. I was just uh just glad to be on my feet. Shoutouts to. I'm actually feeling kind of sick right now. Shout-outs to coffee and health. May they continue to keep me alive. You like it. Like and subscribes. Yeah. So I'm sure Elemis will do the uses. So um, actually, I was looking through trying to see if I had a good shout-out this week, and One of the people I follow popped up on my Twitter uh, with, you know, just uh, things you may have missed on your Twitter feed. And it's a follower that I actually really, I kind of want to shout him out just because every time I see his name pop up on my Twitter uh, feed, just from a tweet or whatever, it makes me smile because it reminds me when he first reached out to us when they first started listening. Um, I guess his name is Josh. I'm going to go ahead and assume his, his tag is amp daddy slash Josh. So if it's not Josh, sorry, you just made me assume. Um, but no, I really get You're excited. An asset of you and me. <laughs> exactly. Um, but no, I, I, I smile every time I see his name pop up because it reminds me of the original message he sent. Um, and when he reached out and basically he told me that he had told his clan about us. Uh, because his clan is just a bunch of dad nerds. And he said to keep up the great job. And I just kind of loved that somebody enjoyed us enough that they hopped on their headset and was like, guys, guys, guess what I just listened to? You know, like, 
And it just, every time his name pops up on my Twitter feed, that's the message I think of. And it, I don't know. And that was, you know, early on too. So, you know, I don't, I wouldn't say like we're nailing this by any stretch of the imagination now, but I do think we've come quite a long way. (laughs) We've almost got too comfortable recording. We're just, (laughs) this is just Um, what the show's developed to you guys. You're going to have to embrace the tangents and the camaraderie. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. But, um, but no, and, you know, like, last week we started dabbling with using our webcams, too, to start kind of getting the cues of when the other person is talking. Um, I got mine in this week, and so now we all have one. Um, and, uh, you know, I just, I think that that little that little message all the way up to now, here we are 16 episodes later, and we're just, we're still kind of fumbling through it. But I really appreciate um you know, this follower and everybody else who has just kind of been there with us through this journey. Um, we always continue to strive to be better for you guys. Um, but we just appreciate you guys just being along for the ride with us. What was that? Always, I said, I don't know if we're always striving to be better. I think we're just striving to get through it and have fun. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, like, we're always picking up on new things. Like, even last week when we decided to, you know, establish our bias, you know, straight out. Like, that that's going to be something new that we're going to try doing. And, you know, just whatever we can do to kind of make this a semi-more coherent <laughs> podcast. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah. So, like I said, every time that that particular follower tweets and, and his name pops up, it makes me think of that message and just kind of warms my heart from all of our followers and it's and all of our listeners it's it's just it's really cool i don't think we're saying anything important enough to listen to but it's cool to me that other people listen and enjoy it you know there's my shout out tangent (laughs) all right want to close this out me for me it's the usual ishtar collective i mean i i can't say it enough without them my life would be you know my job here on the podcast would be so much harder um because i'd be sitting in front of the game for countless hours just typing out what is already there uh so uh you know my second shout out is going to be to my brother the physics major who is going through the death march (laughs) (laughs) you got this buddy (laughs) right you two random strangers from virginia rooting for you you don't I even know us, but you got this, right? I mean, when when you told us about that when we got together to eat, I was just like, "Oh, he's a better man than I am." Like, I mean, obviously, I'm not a man, but you know what I mean. <laughs> well, then he's definitely. I would hope he's a better man than you. Man. <laughs> but um, but yeah. No, what did definitely. I get into? <laughs> I didn't know. But that. yeah, so definitely. Like, um, let him know. Let all this finish. For him. <laughs> well, so like it. It's funny because my parents brag about me and you know everything that i've accomplished everything that i'm doing but he's the one that i am proud of you know he's the one i brag about Aww. he's got such a bright future ahead of him so like i'm i'm at a loss of words on on how much my friendship with him means to me that's like super beautiful, man. I wish I loved my siblings like that. Oh, like trust me, 
the first 16 years of, of his life, it was not like this at all. <laughs> okay, like, once I moved out, we were chill. And no, actually, I actually do have a real shout out now. Oh, sorry. I don't no, actually, it thing. was more of like once him and I just stopped trying to be friends, we actually were friends. Oh, yeah. Me and my brother argued all the time, and now we have our separate lives. We, like, don't really argue. We kind of just... You stop trying to, like, force yourself on your siblings, and it's just like, okay, we're different. Let's just live life and enjoy the good stuff. Yeah. Me and my sister, we need That's maturity, that. though. Once, I think that's kind of works Once we can out. no longer uh, steal each other's clothes, the fighting stopped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When your sister stopped trying to go uh, with you and design you and make up you and... Oh my gosh, I was her Barbie doll for Enjoy years. Your life. Years. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I think it helped All me right. to a certain extent, but also hurt me to others. <laughs> As hosts this week, we are definitely just getting into our normal conversation after the. So after why don't chat. we? Yeah, our after chat. I do have one real shout out, actually. I want to shout out okay. Focus Fire Chat because uh, also, they always do great lore discussions, also. But specifically for their, um, basically their kind of like audio grimoire or their readings, uh, the first way I was able to listen to the whole Marasina read to me straight through so that I did not have to read it the first time. So I really appreciate that. And sure enough, I was just thinking about reading through all of the most loyal cards. And what do you know? They had just popped up a full recording of those. So the fact that I can, <laughs> because I don't have really access to just read stuff at work, being able to listen that's why podcasts have become such a big staple of my life. But I really appreciate how they did a little something new and just did raw recordings, which is what we do. Um, but no, it's sometimes nice to just be able to, it's like books on tape. It's why they're so great. So that was a sh- shout out that I really appreciate those little um, audio lore guides, things that they, they've been doing. So sorry, that was my real shout out for making good. me. I like it. Because coffee and health isn't really that great. <laughs> important uh, though yeah i don't have health right now Who says coffee coffee, isn't good? So. Oh, i'm out of coffee and i my health's not so great so <laughs> all right well we thank you all for tuning in with us in this episode and with that bum 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 goodbye goodbye all <laughs> goodbye oh that's just nasty <laughs> That I love was how, like, too spot on. That was really good. You worked <laughs> Confirmed. No, 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 no. Elemis Cleveland confirmed. <laughs> no, Dude, I haven't even finished I yet. need to, like, bake you cookies for editing it or something, man. Like, uh, no, I need to make him cookies when he comes up for pizza and movie because I make banging cookies. I make pretty good cookies, too. I just don't bake much because you've been doing it. You forget that I used to bake all the time. Who's, who's cookies? For our wedding favor. Yeah, you. I wasn't about to make 100 cookies. It was 200, actually. I made 200. Why? There were 200 people there. Because uh, I needed to make 100 bags, because that's how many we bought. And I put two cookies in every bag. We had about 86 people there, which gave us a 14-cookie bag buffer. And we yeah. gave them to Ian or Ivan or Ethan, whatever the guy's her name cookies was. Are very, her cookies are very good. I had to convince her to make one little tweak, and they're even better. But... I used to bake a ton, but I'm super lazy and she enjoys it. So I'm like, you bake really well and I'm lazy as anything. I don't bake anywhere as much as I used to. It's much more expensive when you're doing it on your own dime and not your parents. All right, fine. I'm going to flip you too. Yeah. Wait, what's happening? Oh, whoa. What is that plus? I can drag your photo up to a little plus and it turns into a check mark.
Wait. Oh god. Ah! I put Elmist away. I want him back. I got him back. Okay, I'm not gonna play with it then. I want him. No, no, no. Okay, now I gotta put you away because I want him back on top. I liked him there. All right, I got you guys. Yeah, that's again. what I'm used to too. Elmist on top, you and Paul. <laughs> well, long as we got good eye contact, we'll be ready to go. Just maintain eye contact to assert your dominance. Always. Oh eye contact and assert dominance. <laughs> like, I look at the camera like when it. I want to assert my dominance. All right. So, Mrs. Hyvin, we're driving home, and she's like, what the heck? I'm wearing the exact same th outfit that I wore when we went out to dinner with Elemist. Like, I'm wearing the same outfit as when she's I met like, him. I gotta change. He's gonna think I wear one shirt and one sweater. My and other shirt's, like, really booby, on, too. So I did change the shirt just so it wasn't as, like, boobalicious and I didn't have to worry about that during recording. <laughs> but it was, like, it was, like, 50% the boobs, 50% the fact that literally I was wearing the exact same shirt and sweater combo as when I met you. That's, <laughs> like, oh I saw this meme and it was, like, first four dates with my new girlfriend or what my girlfriend thought on my first four dates. One, that's a nice shirt. Two, that's also a nice shirt. Three, okay, so he's wearing the first shirt again. Four, so he owns two nice shirts. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. So I don't remember how we decided we're uh, pronouncing this. Facide? Facide? Somebody help me out here. I did it saying fideicide. There we go. That's what it is. All right. You heard it here from Elemist. Fideicides. There we go. He just said it and I'm already struggling. The thought that one might have defected to the dyes room. Is that even right? Yeah. Yep. Dias why am I starting? JK, I, I do the lineup. I know why I'm starting. I have a very meticulous way of doing you it. typed it. The thought that one might have defected to the dyes room. Dyes room. Dice room. Dice room. Dice room. Dice room. Okay, you guys have to uh, like. You have to admit that this sounds not like a word. It sounds like a. I, I don't know. Dice room. Yeah. That's gonna make no, a great that... looper. No, it's it's dice room. <laughs> okay, I got this. I got, you got this. this. I got this. Part of the problem is it's a made-up word. Yeah, yeah. Really? Where's your hooked on phonics with this made-up word? But all words are made up. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> all right, moving out of bloopers and back to the actual card. Yeah, we don't need purposeful bloopers. I'm down. Oh, they're not purposeful. I just screw up that much. My breakfast Pop-Tarts actually throw me a pack of those. Bitch, I will buy you more. <laughs> Crusades. That's probably not right. Anybody want to help me? Crusades? Is that what we're going with? <clears throat> I'm getting nods and thumbs up. So we're going to keep moving on. Bungie <clears throat> doesn't give us phonetic. Uh, phone uh, phonetic? Phonetic. Yeah, they don't, get it, they don't write these things phonetically for us. So it's kind of just up to us to determine how to pronounce things. I'm going to tweet them and ask them if they could just put out a Destiny <laughs> dictionary. That'd be cool. A glossary, whatever you want to call it. I get all Microw the hard words. Microwave anisotropy. 
Anisotropy. <laughs> I get all the hard words. I'll just I she likes forehead kisses. <laughs> I was about to ask where my kiss was. Mm. <laughs> Put your forehead up to the camera. Uh, Mrs. Ivan, you got anything to add as you're cramming your face? Because I can see on camera. He's a big snacker. She... Finishing my Pop Tart, which also doesn't sponsor us, but they totally oh. could. That'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Sorry, I just have to say when you started going right. for palms are sweaty, I was like, you want to see if my palms are sweaty? If I have mom's spaghetti all over my shirt already? <laughs> what is that from? I don't know if either what? of you guys look. Come on, it's an Eminem song. <sighs> Sorry, babe. You guys are killing I married me. someone who grew up mostly on country music. White people. It's ironic because <laughs> Eminem's white. <laughs> <laughs> okay, never mind. Anywho, <clears throat> anyways, yeah, I mean, yeah, Red I mean is Danny DeVito. His vomit on his. He basically talks about he's going in. Huh? What about Danny DeVito? Is it really? There actually was like a commercial a about it. To there be actually was. There was a commercial. I'll, I'll find it. Okay. I still know what either of you said because you guys just both. He said the red M&M is Danny DeVito. Yeah, no, I'm saying after that, you two he were both also just doesn't sponsor saying us. half. Your... Okay, I'm done. I'm done.